Welcome to Chevron's Locked, a Stargate podcast. I am Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. We are going to be talking tonight about the Stargate movie starring Kurt Russell and James Spader. Just before we get started, I would like to toss out spoiler warnings. This will be true of all of our future podcasts. We will be discussing whatever current episode or movie that we're discussing in the context of the entire larger story of the Stargate universe. And so if you haven't seen it or you don't want to be spoiled about things that are coming down the road, then maybe this may not be the right podcast for you to be listening to because you don't want to spoil a 25 year old show (laughs) yeah fair point it is a 25 year old show (laughs) and so if you're just discovering it like we did recently then perhaps consider watching all of it before you come listen to our podcast and we will gladly be here when you come back we also may or may not use adult language at times or make adult references. And so just keep that in mind before you continue listening. It's more may than may not. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we start with a brief synopsis of the movie? I believe that, Melanie, you have the IMDb synopsis. I do. The synopsis goes, an interstellar transportation device found in Egypt leads to a planet with humans resembling ancient Egyptians who worship the god Ra. Interesting. That's it. That's it? That's it. Is that from IMDb? Yep. It's a pretty light on the synopsis. <laughs> IMDb synopsis <laughs> frequently are. I feel like the first five minutes of Children of the Gods, the first episode of SG-1, is a much better synopsis of the actual movie. <laughs> That's true. They do a really good job of catching you up really quickly on what happened in the movie. But yeah, that you, that doesn't that doesn't cover much at all. Nope. Which is interesting. So, just for clarification, so was I the only one who this was the first time watching? Y'all had seen it before. Yes. Yes. Did it hold, did it hold up since like the first time you watched it? You go first. Your, your silence is deafening. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I tried to watch it before I watched the series the first time. And I got about five minutes into it. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to watch the series because this is boring as heck. <laughs> and then for Travis's birthday, which was relatively recently, like in December or so, he came over and we drank beer and ate pizza. And we watched Stargate. And he made me watch the movie <laughs> for his <laughs> birthday. So I watched it the first time. I was like, eh, it was okay. Like, it wasn't great. I didn't particularly like it all that much, but it was fine. Mm-hmm. And then we watched it last night. It was last night, right? No. No, it was two nights ago. Watched it two nights ago, and I was like, the beginning was good. I liked the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we dragged on the planet because the planet doesn't have a name yet but it's technically Abydos and (laughs) the planet with the mineral (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah I just it was not the greatest thing and I don't foresee me watching it again (laughs) yeah Chels did you feel the same way yeah it's definitely not a movie that I I will watch again and again I think that the first time I watched it I I don't know. I I agree. I enjoyed it the first half and then the back end just really 
drags. And even then when it starts picking up again and Ra shows up and things start going crazy, it's still, by that point, it's it's like you've sort of lost to the thread. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it lacks so much of the charisma that the show has between Jack being so dark and broody and not mm-hmm. having his th- fun and th- and not having the dynamic between the the fun dynamic between Jack and Daniel with them being pretty adversarial and how obnoxious all of the military guys are in the movie <laughs> <laughs> other yeah. than brown i think it was maybe lieutenant brown the the black guy he was the only one who was at all likable or seemed to be mm-hmm. making an effort to actually participate in exploring this planet and and stuff but other than that there's just once they're on the planet and it's just jack being broody and the military guys being whiny and french stewart as ferretti being like what's wrong with you (laughs) you all suck i hate everything and it's like you had to have volunteered to come to this planet and there they had to have known that there was a chance it was a one-way mission and they were all just being such assholes (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, like, I didn't come at this with, like, a blank slate, so I've never seen it without the context of the show, and you just can't help but compare the show to the movie, and I kind of wish that there was a way for me to, like, erase SG-1 from my brain so I could have watched it, like, in a vacuum and had more of an opinion that way, but, yeah, like, all the things that made me love SG-1, I just felt were, like, missing. Like, it was, man, like... Kurt Russell, as beautiful as Kurt Russell is, and as talented as Kurt Russell is, that's not Jack O'Neill. Like, and I guess you can make the argument, because we see him, like, the opening scenes is him. He's just lost his son, who's na- And here's the other thing I don't get. Like, they made these changes. So his son's name is Tyler in the movie, but they arbitrarily changed it to Charlie in the show? But, like, why? I don't... Those... I just... Mm. I don't understand. But like we we get him in this opening scene and he's in this dark place. He's just lost his son. So I get that he wouldn't be cracking jokes. But I just feel like we see Jack, our Jack from SG-1 in dark places in the show. And he still maintains a sense of humor. This was just like a completely different character up until like the last maybe 20 minutes of the movie. And by then you're like do I care? I'm so tired. It's bedtime. Like, uh, I'm all right. Yeah. I, I will say that I did enjoy, I did enjoy the movie more the first time through without having the context of the show to judge it by. So for mm-hmm. sure, I think it, it, it doesn't hold up as well once you've seen the show, but as a, as a movie on its own, it's, it still has some pacing issues and, characterization issue it's just like it's hard to even Mm -hmm. know what you're rooting for and why and again it's really not until the last 10 or 20 minutes until jack and daniel start to resemble jack and daniel as characters that are interesting and compelling and likable and i feel like that kind of contributes to so we were like googling around and trying to think of like something interesting to talk about i guess with this movie besides our opinions. And so when this movie came out, it received a 48% Rotten Tomato score from critics with the critique that there's not a lot of substance. It's a lot of style, but not enough substance to like support this movie. But 
it had an audience rating of 73%, which I thought was interesting that there was maybe a disconnect between, as there often is, between critics and the audience. But it was it was on Roger Ewert's most hated movie list. <laughs> and he rated it a one out of four. And 10 years after the movie came out, he maintained it still on his most hated movie list. So <laughs> it's, it's That's impressive. I, I just feel like it's not even noteworthy enough to have it I know. be that, that hated. <laughs> It, 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 it was like this like unsuspected like summer blockbuster hit apparently and I guess it just got under his skin. He hated it. <laughs> What's funny is you bring up that it's a blockbuster hit, but when I was looking at the IMDB like trivia page mm-hmm. or whatever, it was it said like the early pre release screenings of the film were disastrous. Like, yeah. Only like thirty percent of the people liked it. Yep. And one of the exec producers realized that the problem was that the plot made zero sense because yep. apparently the aliens or the Gould. We can't call them that. They're not named raw. that. Raw. Just raw. Okay, I'm sorry. Raw and his people were, <laughs> they didn't have, like, their dialogue wasn't subtitled. So, like, they mm-hmm. were just speaking in, like, whatever language they were speaking in. <laughs> And so, like, it didn't ever make a clear storyline, so no one knew it was happening. And then they fixed it, and then, obviously, the audience, you know, liked it more because there was a plot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what's going on. Okay. I can't believe they didn't subtitle it initially. That's insane. Like, did they forget, or did they just think that would be artistic to make people try and guess what they were saying? (laughs) Maybe it's more sinister. Maybe. All right. So <laughs> our overall impressions of the movie are not super positive, it would seem. No. <laughs> do, do we want to go through a little bit and talk about some of the specific impressions or things that we noted during the movie? Yeah. I agree with Jess that I actually really like the intro. I think, you know, starting off in Giza and finding the Stargate, it's very cinematic and cool. And having the, you know, kind of seeing it through the eyes of a little girl is really, is really fun and compelling. Baby Catherine. Well, baby Catherine Langford. Mm-hmm. Who was German? Who was not German in the show? I'm just going <laughs> to. Chelsea, what did you say? <laughs> for, for political reasons? Yeah, she lost. She dropped the accent for political reasons. <laughs> we don't see Catherine again. So we see in the show, don't we only see her in the. Tantalus, the, um, the Torment Tant- of Tantalus. Uh, torment of Tantalus, and then also, don't we see her in the parallel universe in season one? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. it? No, because mm-hmm. then isn't she's at least referred to in the one where Daniel gets the vision from the weird ascended baby, the his Share's son. <laughs> yeah, 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 but Is I she- don't remember if we see her. No, I think we only see her in the two episodes that you brought up in season one i think she's probably dead no she's married to Ernest. okay you can be dead but married (laughs) i want you to think about what you just said (laughs) i meant you can be married but be dead all right yeah okay that's fair (laughs) anyways so yeah so we have baby Catherine langford we we have was anyone else like weirdly emotional when they like pulled the stargate up i was like oh it is. It's no, more... I always... Go ahead. No, I always get. I actually got. I always kind of get weirdly emotional when I first see the Stargate. So, no. Well, and I think again, it's a it's a very cinematic shot, establishing that. Mm-hmm. And the score in the movie is 
really good. I really like the score throughout. Yes. And I've never even heard of David Arnold. Do we do we know what else he's done? That's the Oh, he did Independence Day. Well, that makes Which sense because that's the same guys, Emmerich and Devlin. Yeah, other than that, he really hasn't done. He's done some other movies, but I'm not going to name them because they look not like my speed. You didn't see Paul, dude? No, the hell's Paul, dude? Anyway, he he did a fantastic anyway, job. Sorry. I thought I thought the score was really great and did a good job of building up the the moments, the big moments in the in the movie. Agree. And this is the first time, so. As someone who is notoriously anti-Daniel, this is the first time, I can't believe I'm saying this, I really enjoyed Daniel in this movie, and I really enjoyed his introduction, like, being on the outs, being doubted, and he's kind of sticking firm and being that weird kind of kooky anthropologist, archaeologist guy. Like, I really, like, responded positively to Daniel in the movie. And Now, I am sure we'll pinpoint in the show where that changes, but for now, I really, really enjoyed his dynamic and his character in this movie. Yeah. I do have to say, when I was watching it and he's, you know, granted, he is saying something incredibly controversial. The fact that a room full of academics who were clearly there to see a lecture of some sort just get up and all leave is that that's an that's insane. That wouldn't happen. That's not something oh, no. that happens in the academic community, but they no. all just get up and leave. And I mean, I mean, that's a just, I guess it's supposed to demonstrate just how far outside normal he is. But if he were that far outside of normal, nobody would have shown up. There wouldn't have been a room full of people listening to him. If you don't just show up to like heckle him. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was I'm- odd. I mean, maybe that could have been his, the first time he decided to go with his pyramid theory, and he decided to finally, like, get it out there, and everybody was like, you're crazy. Yeah, and, like, how did Catherine find him? Did I miss that? No. She's a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, but this actually leads me to one of the things that is different in the movie than in the show. When she gets mm-hmm. him into the car, she shows him mm-hmm. a picture and she said, are these your parents? And he said, foster parents. And mm-hmm. in the picture, he was an infant. And on the show, oh, on the, the show, gamekeeper. We, in Gamekeeper, he we, he was in his, like, in his youth when his parents died. And so in the movie, it's sort of, we're led to assume that he, either his parents died when he was young or he was given up for adoption or whatever but that he had foster parents when he was really little. He was an infant in the picture. What if those were his foster parents and the parents and gamekeeper were his foster parents, but if they had had them since an infant, maybe he would have called them mom and dad by the time he was a youth? Ah, that could be a feasible feasible in-universe. I mean, that's where my brain went, to be fair. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I was kind of like, well, I mean, maybe I was on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, how tragic is that? So that that either means that Daniel lost two sets of parents, his biological and his foster parents, or his biological mother gave him up. So he, in one sense, lost her. And then, man, poor Daniel. Did you actually just say that out loud? I know. Look, it's really causing me a lot of pain (laughs) to have this much empathy and sympathy for him. Okay. Pretty soon that that whole Daniel thing is going to be me versus you two. I'm going to lose you. You shut you shut your whore mouth. That would never happen. But yeah, I I liked the introduction of Daniel. Yeah, and especially once we get him like into 
Cheyenne Mountain, and he starts just like, I don't know if this is like a Daniel characterization or like a James Spader choice, but just that kind of like, he's so unaware of the surroundings. He just zooms in on these like hieroglyphs, like, oh, you fuckers, this is not, who, what moron did this? This is not right. And you mistranslated this. And he just kind of doesn't pay attention to his surroundings at all. He just kind of wanders around and then zones in. Yeah, I again, I really, really responded to that because I'm the same way. See, I just thought he was kind of an asshole that he comes blowing into this room, <laughs> clearly knowing that they've been working on this for a long time. He's like, oh, you got this all wrong. This is wrong. You, Who did this? Like, it wasn't one of the people in the room who did that. Like, obviously, Daniel, one of these people that you're talking to mm-hmm. is the person who translated this. And also, I'm sorry, I'm, I am not an archaeologist, full disclaimer there, and I don't know how to translate hieroglyphics, but... They don't, you can't translate hieroglyphics that specifically that he could come in and be like, no, it's clearly not from, from now, to, you know, forever and eternity. It's till the end of time. Like, there's no way he could make that distinction that yeah. specifically in terms of like, oh, it's not a doorway to heaven. It's a stargate. <laughs> like, it's the same thing, man. Like, okay, but you know what's weird? It's like, I never really thought about how they named the stargate coming from the shows. Like, oh, yeah that's the stargate done and done like some nerd in the basement was like guys we should call it the stargate because it's a gate and we go to the stars but then this movie it's like oh it's a fucking hieroglyph it's like oh that makes way more sense <laughs> nope just me <laughs> shut up but like i didn't think about it but like yeah the stargate of course it had to come from somewhere like no one named it the stargate that's lame well, I mean, <laughs> no, I don't think that's a bad assumption to assume when Thank you start you, the show. I mean, I like the basement theory myself. <laughs> well, I think you it makes as much sense as me, Sam. You <laughs> and Sam. I was gonna say Sam. <laughs> Sam was definitely in the basement. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. This movie needed Sam. Oh, it needed Sam so badly. Random nitpick. Sorry, go ahead, so. Mm. When we first see Cheyenne Mountain and they're like, they're doing the establishing shot of Cheyenne Mountain. There's a bunch of soldiers doing push-ups in the middle of the road. Like as a car is driving up, all of a sudden there's this like, bunch of guys go into the road and start doing push-ups. And I was like, Chelsea, how else will you establish that they are in the military and they're macho men? Clearly. I, it just was, it made me laugh. It's like, what? Why are you doing push-ups right there and right now? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so we got our Daniel introduction. What did we think about our Jack introduction? Oh, it's so sad. It's just... I know. It's so sad. Also, Kurt Russell looks so much better with the long hair than the military <laughs> cut that they give that, him. That, like, flat top? The flat top is not great. Ultra. <laughs> so no. we've got Jack O'Neill with one L, one L and a son named Tyler. And then when we see him next in the pilot... It's Jack O'Neill with two L's and a son named Charlie. It's a parallel universe, okay? Is that what we're going with? Yeah. It, I, okay, here, I'm going to keep on about this because it drives me insane that it's such an arbitrary change and I cannot, I Googled all over the place and I guess if you're listening and you know the answer, please feel free to email us, tweet us, whatever. But like, why change it? And then like, why change it and not acknowledge it in any way? Like, I know they kind of acknowledge the, 1L, 2Ls thing, 
But that almost implies that they're two different people. So it's like, are we supposed to imply there are two Jack O'Neills with two sons and they both died the same way? Like, I, Both of those Jacks went to Abydos. Yeah. And they both knew Kowalski and Ferretti and they were close to Daniel. Like, I just, I don't understand the change. Like, there is no point to it, I guess. Like, what purpose does it serve to call him Charlie over Tyler? I mean, though, to bring up your point with, you know, all the major differences or whatnot. I mean, again, parallel universe, because, I mean, we've met other universes of Jacks. That's who true. Have had this, who, who have still gone, you know, the military route and still, you know, gone to the Stargate and things can, like that. I can get down with this parallel so, universe theory. So I'm thinking parallel universe. Again, I don't know why we changed from one L to else. Who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> His ancestor changed it differently on a form when they immigrated. <laughs> There you go. I like that one. <laughs> well, my honestly, my grandpa has his name spelled differently than his brother's. He dropped the S at the end of his name and everyone else. So all of my cousins and distant cousins and stuff have a slightly different last name than the people that are descended from my grandpa. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually have something like that, too, actually. Interesting. I don't yeah. have that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's any number of ways you can explain it, but I do think it's just interesting with something as simple as the name of a character who will never appear on the show. I mean, granted, we do end up seeing him a little bit, but yeah, it, it's an interesting choice to make. There's a part of me that wonders if they wanted to imply a closer relationship between Kowalski and Jack and maybe imply that he named his kid after Kowalski. Yes, I agree. I When I did a rewatch, when I watched Children of the Gods, I, my first thought was, I wonder if Charlie is named after Kowalski or not. Well, because based on just the movie, you wouldn't assume that Jack mm-hmm. and it seemed like they were meeting for the first time when Jack walked into the into the, where the cartouche was or the cover stone was. So that seemed like their first meeting. But then in the show, we when they do the dream one, the gamekeeper. The gamekeeper. He had past missions with Kowalski when he was special yeah. forces. And even just their interaction in the first in the pilot, they were like super buddy buddy jokey and all that stuff. Yeah. So maybe that would make a little bit more sense if they, you know, had them change the name of his son to then imply that they had this long term friendship that was close enough that he would name his son after him. I will accept that. I also have a thought about the two L's and besides the one L. Go so, for it. So, I mean, when they approached RDA about doing Stargate, he at first said no because he didn't want to be like that super like military-esque character. And then they kind of came back and were kind of like, well, what if we let you do this? Like we give you like a little latitude to do kind of your own thing. So maybe they gave him two L's to kind of differentiate. Distance, yeah, or like distance from like the super military-esque O'Neill rather than kind of the military-esque kind of jokey kind of O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like super jarring to see the difference because the Jack that we know is so different from the Jack that we get in the show. I mean, the Jack we see in the show like adheres to military protocol and is calling people by their rank and like standing at attention and is like so serious. And it's just, considering that the time difference is supposed to be a year, it's really hard for me to, like, see our Jack in the movie Jack. Which I think probably contributed to me, like, starting to mentally check out from the movie. Because <laughs> RDA and, like, our Jack is a huge chunk of, like, why I like SG-1. So not having that was such a bummer. Yeah, it definitely plays into it. And I get it. I mean, 
even if we talk about it in continuity, having just lost his son, I think it would be safe to assume that he would be in a very different place. Totally. Emotionally. So it is, it's still, it's very jarring to see. Okay, so we get our introduction to Jack. We get our introduction to Daniel. Mm-hmm. Oh, Daniel finds the point of origin. Well, he he solves it. He figures out the thing that they've been working on for years in two weeks. And, <sighs> and here's the thing that I don't get. And I guess we can probably come up with an in-universe explanation for this, but I wondered why nobody questioned it then and there when you have, especially because Richard Kind is playing Dr. Myers and he's kind of the jilted is the wrong word for it, but like the jilted scientist who they brought in a, a ringer and replaced him. You'd think he would maybe be like, okay, why would there be Greek constellations on a stone with Egyptian hieroglyphs? And nobody is even, and I get it, I get it that this, that this cover stone is already anomalous because it's too old to be Egyptian and, and it has these different symbols that aren't Egyptian symbols. So I get that it's already anomalous, but nobody's like, oh yeah, sure that, they just all accept, oh yeah, yeah, Greek constellations, as if you can't (laughs) draw any number, billions of combinations of constellations in the night sky and mm-hmm. and that the you know they're very culturally bound constellations are very specific culturally and they just so happen to use those ones the greek ones that are like the zodiac signs <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this is a good like a uh, snapshot of what's to come because like those are the kinds of details that I literally will never catch. And I remember like on your first watch through of SG-1, you were like, the science doesn't make sense. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this, this is going to be like a the science corner with Chelsea over here. <laughs> I get that we can, there can be an in-universe explanation that we find out later that Merlin was an ancient or whatever. And so maybe there were ancients among the Greeks who taught them those constellations oh yeah you you have that to was watch season skipped <laughs> wasn't merlin like an asgard no he no. was a, he was an ascendant <laughs> really exciting for me when we get to season 10 look my zone of authority should really be in the season one to eight range okay <laughs> Anyway, I I do think that there can be somewhat of an in-universe explanation for it, but I just think it's interesting in the context of the movie that Dr. Myers isn't like, wait, what? Why would there be those constellations? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that kind of also goes with, like, Daniel is this, like, ousted scientist person. Why are we just taking his word at face value? I mean, I guess it it makes – he's right, so it's fine. Although for a two-hour movie, it feels like there could have been a line. You're right, Chelsea. You'd think that the guy would at least put up a little fight and be like, that's yeah. ridiculous. But it, I mean, for the, for the story, it does have to progress pretty quickly. Although with how much the second half drags, they could have spent a little longer <laughs> with him figuring out and skipped some of the Abaddonian exploration. Sam walked by in the background. I'm just saying Sam probably had it figured out in the basement long before everybody else. Sam's in the basement with the rest of the female characters in this franchise, (laughs) just waiting to be let out. She for sure would have noticed like, oh yeah, the triangle with the circle, it's right there just without the little wiggly guys on the side. (laughs) The fact that he's the only person who noticed that was a little funny to me. Like They've had scientists looking at it for two years and nobody was like, oh hey, this triangle thing looks the same if you take away the squiggly guys 
when uh, Daniel slash James Spader, and I'm going to blame this on Spader because he's the one who actually drew it. When he starts drawing the squiggly people on the board, I swear to God, I thought it was like a ball sack. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's got, like, go back and look at it. It looks like he's about to draw a dick and balls. I swear to God. It looks like a butt to me, to be fair. Or a butt. <laughs> Whatever. We all have our preferences. <laughs> Anyways, but, like, that made me laugh so hard. I was like, that is hmm, keeping it PGAC. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and then that leads right into the next inconsistency between the movie and the show, which is that they're going to a different galaxy. Yeah. Which we established later on the show, one, that Abydos is the closest planet to us. We can't call it Abydos. This desert planet is the closest one to Earth. And that it is definitely in our galaxy because you need to super boost your gate and have eight symbols to go to another galaxy. And everyone knows that. <laughs> so do you think that SG-1 made it better? They're like, okay, that's nice, honey. You had a nice good skeleton here of an idea. Now let's flesh it out and make it better. I mean, but that's what shows do. Totally. I mean, they take a movie and I mean, you can only cr- you know cram so much into it. a movie, like a two-hour movie, and then you have... 200 and whatever episodes of television. Okay, I'm having total brain fart. Is there another... Give me some other movies that turned into TV shows. Like, with the exception of, like, the Star Wars... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, good call. Okay, I feel schooled. I was like, I can't think of any right now. There's, I mean, there's definitely... Yeah. Been, there's Friday a lot Night of... Lights? Friday Night Lights. That's a Damn, good, no. good one. Okay, I stand corrected. Carry on. Parenthood. <laughs> Was Parenthood a movie? Yeah, the movie with Steve Martin. That one, of course. (laughs) Steve Martin and Keanu Reeves and Martha Plimpton. Steve Martin and Keanu Reeves were in a movie? Yeah. Are you sure? Keanu Reeves played the guy who made his daughter do it. Fact check me. Steve Martin, Keanu Reeves. We're in a movie called Parenthood, motherfucker. Yes. I know stuff. But it is not the same as... And guess who's in it? Mary Steenburgen. (laughs) <laughs> Jack would be delighted. Also, I have another. I have another show. Uh, Westworld. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Damn, Mel. Okay, I'm taking you to a trivia. <laughs> okay, so yes, where are we? Okay, so we've got the symbol. We're loading up the Stargate. We're going through. We're finally at the planet. And everyone's pers- covered in frost. Yes. It was cool to see how much of the movie effects they retained for at least the first season. Like those long wormhole shots when they were going between gates. I mean the and... Doctor Who shots? <laughs> <laughs> I just kept um, waiting yes. for one of the Doctor's faces to appear in the mist. Look, this show's begging for a crossover. For sure. I mean, I'd watch it. I'm trying to follow my notes. and It's a lot of like, where's Sam? Sam? So is Sam here yet? So the first thing I noticed on the planet is that the show does a much better do- job with military protocol than the movie did because those dudes were just running around with their guns pointing wherever, and you know they like walk outside and just like step out into the wide open space where they could easily be shot, and or, it was just I am not a military person. I am not a military expert. I know a little bit based on having had an Air Force roommate in college and having dated an Army guy, but 
like so that's the extent of my expertise and having watched movies with them and had them point out these kind of annoyances for them but mm-hmm. even i was like they're just like pointing their guns at each other this is terrible <laughs> i i mean to me that's just giving props to their the military consultants that they ended up getting on the show and that i definitely yes. think it was worth it and and i know that they got more and more interaction with the air force as the show progressed and you can tell because the military stuff gets much more true to to life i think as even as the show gets more and more out there the military aspect still keeps it pretty grounded yeah i'm like legit struggling to remember i know we watched this movie two days ago but like once they get to the planet it's like shit and then they found planets people that we can't call abadonians so they get to the planet and Jack is expecting that Daniel will just be able to turn right around and send them all back through. And he's then supposed to just stay there and blow it up. But basically, so then Daniel doesn't find a similar cartouche. He's expecting it to be right there. And it's not. Right. My question is, there's no DHD. How did they dial back to Earth? They didn't show the non-existence of a DHD. (laughs) It it was there. We didn't see it. They completely black boxed them getting home. (laughs) It's like, oh, I found the symbols. How do we put them into the gate? I mean, did they manually dial the gate? Like, I don't... I'm trying to figure out how this works. No, the DHD... The DHD was there. I, I think okay. we have to assume in universe that the DHD was there and they never showed it on screen, mm-hmm. but that it was there because it is there then in the pilot of the show. <laughs> it sure is. Like right in front of the gate. That they and there's, <laughs> there's no other way that they could have dialed home without it. So we'll just chalk that up to another thing that Kowalski and Freddie and Jack left out of their report. <laughs> <laughs> BT does, guys. There's a remote control you need. <laughs> I did find it funny that when they got to the planet and they all went to like the tent or whatever and they kind of threw Daniel out of the tent <laughs> and he just kind of like wandered off. I was kind of, I was kind of like, it's like every episode. Yeah. Where did Daniel go? <laughs> so what did Daniel cons- touch? What is he doing? <laughs> it's very consistent. Daniel, movie Daniel wanders off too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to be, I I felt like they were being so harsh. So they get there and they're like, oh, hey, get us there. And he's like, oh, I need to look around. I need to find the symbols. And they get, they lose it on him so fast. They just immediately are like, you said you could get us back. And it's like, you guys, he, Mm -hmm. you've been here for like 20 minutes. Just (laughs) chill for a minute. You'd think, and then instead they're like, oh, we need to find more places that might have symbols so we can get home. Instead, they just set up camp and they're like, you asshole you stranded us here on this planet and nobody is even considering what can we do to help find these symbols so we can go home i think it's weird that they just brought in daniel and a team of merry military men like why not bring in more than just daniel like why just one scientist did no one think maybe some of the other scientists on the team like i know in the pilot Sam says that she was supposed to go through, but no one like called in a sub and was like, maybe another scientist would be helpful here. So we're not pinning our hopes and dreams on one person. It seemed like Lieutenant Brown or whatever his rank was, was had some kind of science background because he was like taking samples and scanning the soil and taking pictures. Yeah. So I think he was maybe their military scientist. Hmm. 
But uh, Jess, I'm gonna. No, Sam. Uh, I'm just saying that the military might have actually thought that Sam was probably way more important to have, you know, to not send her through the gate if they didn't know they were gonna come back or not. But she she said she was supposed to. I know. Oh, you mean like she was supposed to in the military? She was supposed to, and the military is like, wait, she's too important to, you know, maybe get lost on this random planet that we don't know if they can get back from. That's true. So you're not going anywhere. Ugh, so lame. No, I, I think that makes it suck a little less if that's and honestly the fact that they ever send her out into the field is kind of it doesn't make any sense but I'm, I mean I'm glad they do and obviously she wants to so yeah yeah she's definitely generally too important to be risking on a frontline team I mean like not to keep harping on about it but literally every five minutes I was like Sam would have this fixed Sam would be really good right here <laughs> Sam would be helping Daniel and not just being an asshole yeah such a freaking sausage fest. <laughs> um, okay, so before we move on plot-wise, because we still have Daniel outside the tent, I also wrote down um, Daniel throwing out the emergency blanket and supplies in search of sunscreen. Hashtag relatable. He's <laughs> <laughs> just, like, going through his vest, and he's, like, throwing into the sand, like, his emergency, like, like hypothermia blanket and, like, ammo and shit he's like where's the sunscreen (laughs) yes same seems like he could have checked his own vest before he left or like slipped some (laughs) sunscreen in for himself you're a grown-ass man daniel bring your own sunscreen so then daniel wanders off as a daniel tends to do jack follows him that weird ass animal that i was convinced was two people in a suit (laughs) but it's not it's actually a horse Wearing some kind of prosthetic. They used a horse with a like a, a thing draped over it to make it appear to be a different animal. And they also used dogs. That's cool. It's a fun fact for you. Yeah. And Daniel gets dragged off and Jack and Kowalski and Brown chase after him. And that's when we meet the people from this planet who are not the Abedonians. <laughs> Can't call them that yet. I love it's so fun to see Skara. So after watching the show and we haven't seen a single familiar face yet and then Skara pops up and I just love him so much. He's so mm-hmm. cute. And I wonder, I don't know if this information is somewhere on the internet, but his hair is so much more convincing in the movie than it is on the show that I wonder if Alexis Cruz actually had dreadlocks or had grown his hair out like that at all when they were filming the movie and then mm-hmm. they just had to give him a wig on the show because the the wig that they use on the show is so bad. It's the Scaro wig is just it's one of my big, it. it's one of my biggest pet peeves every time he's on the show I'm like seriously that's a terrible wig but uh, movie magic movie magic Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, well, so e- either they had a much better wig or he that was his real hair in the movie. So I'm going to drop in another fun fact for you guys. Skara, Alexis Cruz, and Eric Avari, who plays Kasuf, are the only two actors from the Stargate movie that reprise their same roles in the show. That is a fun fact. Good fact. Well, Good fact. Thank you. Thank I mean, you. I knew that fact already, but thank you for the fact. Okay, some people didn't know that fact. Okay? Think of others, Melanie. Think of others. I'm just saying that I didn't know the fact, okay? Jesus. <laughs> Yes, and and Skara runs off and gets Kasuf and comes back with Kasuf. One of my favorite parts, actually, with the meeting of the people was when they met them and they didn't know what to do. And Jack was like, you're the linguist. 
trying to talk to them. I was like, okay, Jack, that's not quite how that works. But okay. <laughs> Which is why when he goes, uh, Kasuf like gestures to follow, and Daniel goes, I think they want us to follow him. And Jack goes, how could you know that? And James Spader just makes, like, the follow motion. <laughs> Which, this is not helpful for a podcast. We're making the visual gesture, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. I actually really like the bits with them interacting with the people because it is kind of funny and you get some more you get to see Daniel a little bit in his element and he's actually getting to explore an ancient culture up close and personal instead of just like bones and broken tablets yeah and it's and so he's here in his element and then you get to see Jack eventually with Skara being and a little bit like a Jack that we would recognize being really sweet with this kid. So I really, I love all of the interactions that happen in the city, including when the sandstorm is coming and they start shutting the gate and the military personnel lose their shit mm-hmm. and are ready to just shoot their way out, even though there have been no threats to them <laughs> other than the fact that they're closing the gate. And I love that Scar, like Scar is so brave. Like he steps out in front and he's like, no, no, no. Like trying to make him understand. Scar convinces Jack to go up onto the wall with him. And they look over the wall and Jack sees the, the sandstorm coming and he calms down and he shouts down. It's a sandstorm. They drop their guns. Kowalski does this great thing. He's trying to apologize to Kasuf and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kind of bows to him and gives him this shrug. Like I'm like, and I thought it was the first kind of relatable moment we had from Kowalski where he's like, yeah, nope. I almost shot a bunch of people for nothing. And, and Jack. Is that relatable? (laughs) Chelsea, I'm concerned. Uh, Well, but then, so then Jack comes down and, and explains what's going on. And Daniel's like, Yeah, we almost, yeah, the, um, that would have been worth shooting a bunch of people over. He kind of makes this snarky comment about how mm-hmm. quickly they were ready to escalate things. Which is so in character for Daniel. Well, it's very in character for Jack, too, because Jack is always quick to assume that whenever things are going a little weird, it's nefarious and that they're in danger. And yeah. in the in the show, he's right a lot of the time. Daniel's right some of the time. But in the movie, he was not right in overreacting a little. Yeah. Well, then they have the feast, and Daniel dances like a chicken. Oh, so then oh, we have like the chicken yes, part. the feast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he's gifted Share. <laughs> gifted Share. Yikes! Ugh. Yikes, guys! Sorry, <laughs> right, who wants to take this one? <laughs> it's a problematic start to a relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, it was part of their culture. Like, I mean, I'm not defending it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But I mean, it was part of their culture, and like, it was like a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And even when it did happen, Daniel was kind of like, um, no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's not no. cool. I don't think Daniel did anything sucks, wrong. But, like, the only, we literally have one young female character, like, besides Catherine. Do We've the- got Share, and she doesn't really speak English. It takes her 40 minutes from, like, her first appearance to start communicating effectively. And she's a love interest. It's just, like, Not I just mean, a love interest. She's a, a gift. A gift. A- Guys, the 90s. It was rough. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there was another female character. Granted, she Ooh. had, like, two lines. And she was in the booth with the other computer technicians, and she was working the gate. She had, like, All two right. lines. 
No. Background gay girl. There, yeah, so, and there was the woman next to Catherine Langford when they were talking about, the, yeah, the, I mean. Unnamed woman. Woo! <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I mean, as you've already put it so delicately, Jess, it was a sausage fest, okay? It was a sausage fest. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? I can't, like, I can't. There's... I want some hot dogs. <laughs> that didn't make any sense at all. The hot dog buns. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> credit she establishes herself as a rebel kind of right off the bat because she starts writing to daniel and and we've already established that writing is against law and kasuf seriously freaked out when daniel started writing in the sand and then share is actually i mean she's a little hesitant at first but then she just jumps right in and starts Mm -hmm. drawing for him and leads him to the place where he finds the symbols to get them home so Yes, she was a gift, but she also I, I I had kind of overlooked that they do give her some characterization. She is the person who, you know, kind of rebels in order to communicate with Daniel, and then she's the person who starts the actual rebellion. She's the one who convinces Skara to basically go and and help free the soldiers, Daniel and yeah. Jack and That's totally fair. She actually has a lot of depth to her and I wish that we she didn't get fridged basically immediately in SG one, but she's t- totally a badass in the movie. You're totally right. Yeah, yeah. And then it jumps back to Ferretti and them getting. It's Raw shows up. Wait, is that before or after the scene with Jack and Scara? I think it's after the scene with Jack and Scara. Because that scene deserves a quick discussion. Because yes, it does. When when Scara is in the tent and he and Jack are kind of bonding, and Jack gives him the lighter. Which I think, Mel, didn't you say that there's like a deleted scene in the first episode? It's it, it is. It's in the final cut. I is just it? watched the okay. final cut today. Okay. I was going to say, I can't remember if it's actually in the episode or if I read about it. I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm at that point now where I can't remember what's real and what's not. But yeah, I vaguely remember that Scara tra- and the pilot try to give the lighter back. And Jack was kind of like, no, you keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like having this bonding moment and... Scara, they have a cigarette together, and Scara, like, has his coughing fit, and Jack kind of says, like, you're totally right, like, why am I smoking? And then Scara reaches for Jack's gun, and Jack loses his mind. Like, yells no at him, snatches the gun back, and you're immediately reminded that his son died by shooting himself and that, of course, Jack has a particular sensitivity to children and young people, like, touching the gun. And it's just such, like, an emotional gut punch. Oh, it got me so good, guys. I was, you know, like, when you, like, get a sudden rush of emotion and, like, your chest kind of gets all tight and warm? That's exactly how I felt. And I was like, 
oh no, it's too much. Yeah, it is. It's it's heartbreaking. And I thought it was a pretty effective way to to sort of, to demonstrate that. And you get to see a little bit of Jack when he has sort of let himself forget for a minute what happened mm-hmm. and he's having a sweet moment with Skara and how quickly it turns on its head and he just cannot really escape the the reality. Oh, it's so sad. It is. It's very sad. But to your point, that's like the one hour, 15 minute mark. And it's like, all right, guys, let him do it. And we like, haven't finally... even introduced a bad guy yet. Right. I think you were saying we get raw pretty soon. Yep. It's right after that, that it goes back to the guys that, that are in the pyramid now because of the sandstorm. That's right. It's almost like a horror movie. Yes. yes. Like the way that they kept like running around shooting at ram things and like they just kept getting picked up one by one. Yeah, and, and like, like dragged around corners. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was very horror movie, right down to red shirts just disappearing <laughs> aggressively. A plus Star Trek reference. A plus. <laughs> Uh, oh, I also, this is kind of random going back. So then it kind of goes back to, you know, we lose all of the guys to Raw and it jumps back to Jack, who has now decided that he needs to be worried that Daniel got herded off by himself. Yeah. And, and is looking for Daniel. And there's the great scene where he's trying to communicate to all of the kids that he's looking for Daniel and they're just mimicking yes. him. And it's, I I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't pull a clip for it because it's, all visual there's there's really Mm -hmm. nothing to be gained from listening to it but it's a really classic moment of him trying to communicate and it just made me think of oh yeah this was back when people on different planets didn't all speak english with a canadian accent Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i mean there are a couple races that didn't speak english they, well, and they don't. I think of one. <laughs> they don't. And the Children of the Gods. It's Daniel has to try and figure out how to communicate with them in Children of the Gods. But for the most part, there's at least someone in the, the town that one. speaks English. Mm-hmm. The the plant episode the plant with the guys episode. in the suits where they're supposed to be naked, but they're not naked because naked naked people on TV. They keep saying naked. You East Nick. <laughs> you naked. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I do feel like they give up pretty quickly on SG-1. I think the first two or three episodes, it's like Dan the Linguist is trying to find commonality in terms of language, and then they just give up. They're like, eh, we're in Canada. It's cool. But to your can't... point, Chelsea, about like, you know how like we're kind of saying like, oh, going back to this, but then there's this. The movie itself didn't feel very fluid. And that's part of what makes kind of like reviewing and critiquing this movie kind of hard. It's such a meandering movie. And then once you get chunks of fluidity, it's great. But then we have these weird cuts back and forth, back and forth of like, okay, Daniel's over here in the tent, but no one seems concerned that Daniel's in the tent. Then we've got Jack and Scar's moment, then Jack's moment with the kids. Then we have the other military unit over here. Then we're going to start maybe introducing an antagonist, but... We're not really going to explain it because we have to go find Daniel first so Daniel can explain it to us by reading the hieroglyphs. <laughs> but Daniel has to go explain the hieroglyphs because Share has to take him into the cave first. But before we get to any of that, <laughs> Daniel and Share have to learn to communicate, basically. Then Jack figures out where Daniel is because Scar takes him there. And 
all of like it it just becomes this weird like then we get this exposition scene where like Daniel reads the hieroglyphs and kind of explains what this movie might be about. <laughs> We're an hour and a half in, we've got thirty minutes to go, and you're just like, What is happening? <laughs> and so it makes it really, really hard to like critique and follow this movie smoothly because this movie is not a smooth movie and so you're kind of just left with these like character snapshots and really cool visual effects and that's it yeah and that's my rant no and you kind of summarize the next 20 minutes of the movie too <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's just a lot of these like really terribly stitched together exposition scenes that you think are going somewhere and all it's leading to is daniel giving us this overview with like flashbacks and it's just it's it could uh okay but i did like the exposition for oh, daniel because me too because they took that and then they also incorporated that into the show because i mean it's basically the whole reason the hell is this name? apophis <laughs> before he died he like explained the exact same thing like they were looking for like a new host and they found these ancient egyptians and like Mm-hmm. You know, they were a dying race and, you know, they wanted to extend their lives and blah, blah, blah. And they did and stuff. And I was like, hey, that's cool. You brought that incorporated into the show. Great. So I thought the exposition part was good. You're right. The pacing sucked. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the way they put the stitch the movie together also sucked. Mm-hmm. So then we get this exposition that, okay, so we've got these alien beings that we can't call the Goa'uld or, the Gold, like or the Gould or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that look like Asgard's. Oh, with which, teeth. They have teeth. Asgard's though. with teeth. Okay, I have a fun <laughs> I have a fun fact about the Asgard with teeth. What? Hang on. Oh, I'm excited about this. Okay, so from the IMDb page, it says, Ra's former host race was never identified throughout the movie. While the television series Stargate SG-1 would later identify the entity of Ra as a Goa'uld, his former host was still never identified. But it does bear a strong resemblance to the Asgard, Thor's race. So much so that the Stargate SG-1 role-playing game would even go on to identify Ra's former host as an Asgard, known as the Thamrir. So... The Stargate role-playing game implies that Ra's host was actually an Asgard. Interesting. God, I want to play that game. Okay, side note. Speaking Sorry. Of, <laughs> no, no, no. Speaking of games, like, while I was researching this, there is a cartoon. It's a non-canon Stargate cartoon. No and way. It, yes, and I need to find out how to get to it, but the Wikipedia page for the Stargate movie references it, and it's called, like, Stargate... It's Funny. called Stargate Infinity. Stargate Infinity. And it ran 2002 to 2003. It is a non-canon animated television series. Interesting. This sounds awful. And it's an American-French animated sci-fi TV series. American-French? Awesome. It was canceled after one season, and it only <laughs> premiered in France. Uh, it has Tilk. I want to watch it. It's not Tilk. It looks like Tilk. The characters' names are Stacy Bonner, Seattle Montoya, Gus Bonner, R.J. Harrison, and Eco, which is spelt like Tilk. It's E C apostrophe C O. More fun facts coming at you. Yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting fact. All right, so All right. we're approaching the. You know, this is kind of the climax of the movie now, and there's only thirty minutes left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's a very short genuine. Everybody, they go back to the pyramid and get there and see a giant spaceship. On top of the pyramid. Which is pretty cool. Those visuals really held up. Yeah, I thought the visual effects on the movie do actually hold up. 
They did they did a good job. And, and then Jack ran head first into danger before everybody else. He sure did. That's that's Well what he has nothing to live for. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we forgot to say he brought a bomb with him. Oh, oh yeah, right. guys. <laughs> Shit. He has these separate orders. <laughs> <laughs> to blow it all to hell. If 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 they find like an enemy that can destroy Earth, or it's any enemy at all, I guess I think he says is yeah. that he's supposed to send everybody else back, and he's gonna explode this bomb, and he's I gonna don't... stay and make sure that the bomb explodes. Was he supposed to send people back? Yeah, he was supposed yeah, to send everyone back. Everybody was supposed to go back, and then he was just gonna take himself out. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's because that's to live for. Yeah. Because that's what he says to Daniel. He says, none of you were supposed to still be here. Like, Oh, that's right. You were supposed to basically turn around and take everyone back. That's mm-hmm. right. So, yeah, guys, just remember, this whole time, there's also a nuclear bomb hanging out. That Ra now has. Ra found. Yes, that disappeared. Yeah. So, Ra found the bomb, and now Jack and Daniel get grabbed and brought in front of Ra. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, and then Jack goes full badass and, like, takes a staff weapon and starts shooting things up. And we get Daniel Death numero uno <laughs> right away in the movie. It's at the same time, like, the Abaddonians who are not calling Abaddonians, are they – what's their deal? What are they, they doing? So, they're not rebelling yet. They're not rebelling yet, Scara, right? Scar and some of his buddies had followed them back to the temple and right. saw that it was there. Presumably, Daniel is dead. And Jack lands in a very Star Wars-esque water containment facility. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like the prison. <laughs> uh, they're all in water. I don't know why. But Kowalski and Freddy are there. And they think Daniel is dead. And Daniel gets his moment with Ra. Which, again, this is like, this is it. We're finally meeting the villain. And Daniel is sort of facing off with him. And we're getting his, kind of his deal and i honestly it's like my the least important scene to me in the movie i just i don't they talked to each other and raw's evil and daniel is daniel and then we move on yeah guys i promise we watched this movie i know it sounds like we didn't but that's just how weird the movie is we're gonna do way better with the show yeah Well, yeah, so Daniel does, he confronts Ra, well, after Ra puts him in the sarcophagus, which the sarcophagus is so cool. Movie sarcophagus mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. And a lot of the movie, like, um, Goa'uld, that's not Goa'uld props, are super, super cool. Like, the staff up is super cool. They're, like, gauntlet, their hand um, devices hand device. are super, super cool. And they all, like, if that's where the money went, to the visual effects and not the actual screenplay, like money well spent because like the visuals are super cool. Yeah, and the the helmets, man, the Jaffa, yes. not Jaffa helmets. No, they were the Jaffa. Uh, I know, Jaffa, but yeah. they're not called the Jaffa. Jaffa. Well, we can't, we can't. Well, hey, Jack calls them Jaffa. Okay, <laughs> it's along the same lines of the Gould Gold. No, no, I'm so. talking about in the movie. They are not named. Jaffa. Jaffa. Or right. Jaffa or any way we want to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, but dude, those helmets are badass. Like they really do look cool. Yeah. No, again, the visual effects on the movie really, really do hold up, even if nothing else about it does, particularly. 
I thought it was interesting that right away from the movie, we establish a theme that is present through all of the show, which is that when the U.S. Air Force shows up, they bring death to a lot of unsuspecting Native people. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that down. You did. (laughs) Not quite like that. I basically said something to the effect of like, a lot of people died to get Daniel and Jack back. (laughs) 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 Which is not unusual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, and it's, I mean, it's not like that's the only reason that those people died. They actually, this is actually a a rebellion for these people. And at the Mm -hmm. end of it, they get to be free from Ra's rule. And it's probably a net positive for the Abedonians. But Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of people that are dying. So yeah, so after after all that happens is when then Skara goes back to say what's going on. And Share basically is the one who says we got to you know, we got to help him. We got to fight. We got to get him out. And then Skara goes back with the guns and his, his little gang of motley teenagers and they save Jack and Daniel. And I love that. I love it. I love that Skara like flashes the the lighter. The lighter. Yeah. I thought it was so clever. Like little clever dude that Skara is and and that Daniel figures it out, you know, he sees him and sees him with the gun and all hell breaks loose, but the all the military people escape. And then and then this is where where, where it's actually really frustrating. So like you have this climactic fight scene and the natives and the military, the earth people are coming together and then you just have this scene in the middle of all of that. It just messes with the pacing where now we're sitting down around a fire and we once again revisit the fact that Jack freaks out when children have weapons and yeah when they're sitting he doesn't want the kids to fight yeah is this where they he also reveals the rest of his team that he has to bomb yep (laughs) bt dubs guys well actually jack doesn't say it daniel outs him and is like hey everybody jack's got a bomb (laughs) fuck off daniel like give him man he's got his own orders like i understand what you're saying but i just really hate daniel He's a, he's a bit of a tattletale. He is. And we get a little bit more backstory of what happened with his son. Like that's the, there's the conversation between Jack and Daniel where Daniel is like, why are you so eager to die? And Jack says, no one should ever have to outlive their own child. And it is, it's heart, it's heartbreaking. And then it goes almost immediately from that to like Daniel and Share banging. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> such a weird transition (laughs) and it's like kowalski and scar or like scar and one of the other kids like looking in on them like smooching pretty hardcore and they just like pull the curtain across the screen it's like the fuck aren't you about to have a rebellion what is this i know it's you have to have sex before you have a rebellion oh obviously it's like a pre-game ritual i mean ask never mind what what was that ask mom and leah i mean hey you know, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally normal. I I did love the move that they did of taking the helmets off of the Jaffa to expose that they're human because it seemed like the natives actually thought that like the helmets were part of these mm-hmm. creatures. And when they push the button and the helmet retracts, they're like, see, they're just dudes. And man, how much easier would it have been like on the show if everyone just believed it? Like, guys they're not gods check it out <laughs> and then everyone just believed them right off the bat instead of like oh, you 
atheists. Oh, I can't think of the word. Heathen. You heathen. heathen. <laughs> I can't think of the word. You heathens, like, that's our gods. But, like, the Abaddonians were so ready to be like, oh, yeah, fuck these guys. Kill them. <laughs> well, initially, though, it's because it's only a small group that goes with Skara initially you know and and they well i mean part of it is because they're going undercover and but then yeah. you have the scene at the end where everybody shows up and it's that's awesome because daniel reveals it in front of kasuf kasuf right that's his yeah. name kasuf mm-hmm. kasuf and then once he believes it i think everyone else hops on board and is like oh fuck this mm-hmm. and that's when the plan really takes off and they're like okay let's take raw down yeah so as we were watching it we we decided that the reason that the tech in the movies is so much better than in the show is because raw had all the best tech and he did not share it with any of the other system lords and so (laughs) when jack nuked his pyramid that awesome sarcophagus and the cool hand devices and those awesome helmets that retracted like all the way in this lost forever and the other system lords poor teal kesta where the helmet where it retracts and it's like at his nose and you can barely see over it (laughs) last season's fashion all right so we're so close guys that this is like the end that's it pretty much thank god at this point i just want to say i'm pretty sure i was texting both of you like can i just nap at this point like are we done this movie's dragging i'm bored you just kept on boring all right yeah it was boring okay though so to close it out though we did pull a couple (laughs) clips no 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 so because the movie so the movie ends with jack and daniel are fighting the jaffa and raw on the inside and Share gets fridged for the first time and then Daniel <laughs> takes her to save her. Jack mm-hmm. has the fight with the dude. That's actually a pretty cool fight. That yeah. Awesome fight. It's a great fight and it's going like simultaneously with uh, Daniel having his kind of face off with Ra, saving Share and facing off Ra. And it's kind of cutting back and forth and you have the ring transports going back and forth. And it's actually a really great fight sequence and then it's jumping outside to freddy and kowalski and the natives who are presumably fighting off the death gliders but are really just sitting ducks and not really accomplishing anything yeah but it's it is it's a great sequence and and you guys both mentioned this when we were watching it they get really strong mobius vibes when all of the natives come up over the hill and come charging Mm -hmm. down and kill all of Ra's dudes and it was, it's great. And the score there is really awesome. It's a, it's a great moment. It feels like it's the start of like what SG-1 will eventually become. That kind of like, I think the characters start transitioning into their show selves. Like Jack is kind of more focused and he's got that irreverent humor again. Daniel is kind of like the Daniel we know on the show. Mm-hmm. Like it all feels more like the, the last, 10 15 minutes of that movie feel the most like Stargate SG1. Yeah, exactly. And that that actually does bring us right into the clip that that you'd asked me to pull because this is where we get Jack and he's being Jack. So I'm going to I'm going to play the clip when he is about to take out the Jaffa that he's fighting. Give my regards to Ching Todd asshole. <laughs> so great. I love great... that line. It's That's a... like the mo- it's the most Jack O'Neill as we know him on SG-1, that's the line that I would expect him to say. Yeah, it's a great line and it's a great moment too because it still is cutting back up with Daniel and Daniel comes back down with Sharae right as they cut off the head of the Jaffa guy. Yeah. And it's it's awesome. And so then then they're trying to disassemble the bomb and the bomb won't won't def- diffuse. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're stuck with this nuke that is now counting down with no way to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So, but I love the moment. And again, this sets up SG-1 where they, they're trying to defuse the bomb and they can't figure it out. And then they have this, this moment. The both of them saying, I got an idea. Right? I got an idea. Yeah. So they look at each other and they look at the rings and they have the moment of just both like having the same idea at the same time. It's like a classic SU one pulling their plan out of their ass at the last minute and everything ends up working out okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's basically the movie. The, the raw shit blows up. Everyone lives happily ever after. Jack has a reason to live again. And everyone but Daniel goes back to the Stargate. Yep. Pretty much. So I did, if you guys want to listen to it, I pulled the clip of Daniel and Jack's last conversation before he goes through the Stargate because I think it yeah. sets up where where the sh- where we are when the show starts. So I'm going to play that clip. It's a little longer. You sure you want to do this? Yes, I'm sure. Are you going to be all right? I'm going to be all right. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a nice, hopeful. It sets us up really nicely for the Jack we're going to see in the pilot. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. Uh, but I also kind of wish they had, like, to make that scene more impactful, I wish they had almost made Jack's state of mind in the movie a little more, like, in your face. Kurt Russell did the best he could, but like their writing was so all, I'm not to like shit all over the screenplay, but just the writing was so all over the place. And like, we get little moments of like where Jack's head's at, but like, I don't know. I just wish that it was a little more in your face during the movie that Jack was in a rough space. Mm-hmm. But yes, no, you're totally right. It ends on a really hopeful note and like the good guys win and the good guys who were not feeling so hot are going to be okay. I definitely appreciated that. So, uh, quickly, before we get into our Spader versus Shanks game, so something I noticed when I was pulling clips for Spader versus Shanks is that at the very beginning, when, uh, when Daniel's giving his lecture and they're asking him who they think built the pyramids, this little tidbit comes out. I don't have any idea who built them. I mean, that's men from Atlantis <laughs> or Martians, perhaps. Okay, so I don't know if you could hear it because it's kind of in the background. It says, I don't know who built the pyramids. And the guy in the audience says, men from Atlantis or Martians. And then someone else says, or Martians, perhaps. But it says men from Atlantis. Interesting. Yeah. Stargate Atlantis being uh, foreshadowed. Yeah, very accidentally, I assume. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was reading on the wiki page that Dean Devlin had plans for this to be a trilogy. So... He wanted Stargate to be three movies, and apparently, like, the last, like, in 2006 at, at Comic-Con, I mean, granted, that was 2006, and that was, what, 13 years ago? But he still very much wanted to move forward with the second and third movie. Interesting. All right, I'm trying to key up my Shanks versus Spader. Which is very exciting, because I think we all agree, like, there were genuinely times when I was like looking down to text you guys like while we were watching and genuinely thought that it was Shanks <laughs> talking. Like the similarities were so I, I I could not believe it. It was incredible. Yeah. 
All right, so now, as promised, we are going to play a little game where we compare James Spader's performance of Daniel Jackson to Michael Shanks' performance because, by all accounts, the reason Michael Shanks got the part is because he most resembled and sounded like James Spader, and that's pretty much what they were going for, and Michael Shanks, especially at the beginning of the series, really played into that. And so the comparisons are pretty uncanny. So here we go. I pulled some clips mostly from the beginning of the season because that's when it's the most obvious when when Michael Shanks was really playing up the James Spaderness of it. So, here's the first two clips and you guys just tell me, you know, first and second who you thought was who. So, here we go. <laughs> That was just sneezes. <laughs> so which one do you think? Who was the who was? I can't believe you're making us do this with sneezes. You, can you play it again? Yeah. Is the first one Spader? Melanie? I don't know. They're <laughs> <laughs> both really shitty fake speeches. <laughs> Spader and Shanks are professionals. I'm just going to say it's Shanks just to be different. Yeah, it's Shanks. Shanks was the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, they're not all going to be that ridiculous or hard. I just thought it would be funny <laughs> to throw a sneeze at you guys. <laughs> I have noticed a small potential flaw in this game, which is that the dialogue itself might give it away. Yeah, I tried to take very small clips. Okay, I'm ready. All right, ready? What is this place? What's going on, Jack? Did you get that? Yeah, the first one's Spader. Melanie? The what's going on, Jack, is Shanks. Shanks, yes. Yeah, so you guys are both right on that one. But man, I really had to think about it for a half second. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to play along with the game, Melanie, for God's sake. All right. I didn't either, but you have to say <laughs> to make the game fun. Sorry. Uh, it can't all be sneezes. Yeah. All right. Next up. Those aren't hieroglyphics. I think you're wrong about that. Ooh. Can you do it again? Mm-hmm. This is the version of clips I call Daniel knows better than you. Those aren't hieroglyphics. I think you're wrong about that. Ooh. Mm. Is the first one... Is the first one Shanks? Jess? I think the second one Shanks. Jess is right. Spader was the really? first one. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That was good. That yeah. was a good one. Alright. Next up. I tried to make them sound similar or be similarly themed things that they were saying. Chelsea, you're an excellent game host. <laughs> All right. Next up, Spader or Shanks? Stargate. Stargate. <laughs> so that's just both of them saying Stargate. <laughs> Can I hear that again, please? Yep. Stargate. Stargate. It sounded like a robot in the second one. <laughs> it sounded like those like, capture things that you need the robot to sound out for you. It does. You're right about that. Um, I think the first one is... The first one's a Shanks? See, I think the first one's Spader. See, Spader was my gut, but I'm going to go Shanks. 
Melanie was right, I think. Uh, Spader, Spader was the first one, yep. That was my gut. I should have gone with my gut. Always go with your gut, Jess. All right, <laughs> next one. Spader or, or I guess Spader first or Shanks. Here we go. They think we're gods. They think he sent us here. Uh, second one, Spader. Melanie? I guess the first one was Shanks. So then, yes, you're both saying the same. Yes, you're right. <laughs> that first one was Shanks. We answered it in different ways, but both correct. <laughs> Heads I win and tails you lose. Yeah. <laughs> All right, second and last clip. Here we go. What the fuck? Oh, God, I need you to reply it again. Can so you go again? This is them trying to speak new languages. Here we go. What the fuck? Second one's fair. I'll go for one shanks. First one's fair. First one's fair. Yeah, the first, hang on, the first one is Spader. Yeah! <laughs> Complete dice roll. Wow, I could not tell those two apart at all. Yeah, I mean, they're speaking a different language. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. honest, I, I couldn't tell what was being said, so I just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is this the last one? I don't, actually, I have three more. I thought I oh, only had... Oh, damn. Okay, well, I mean, here we go. All right. It's uh, a derivation of Arabic. It's an ancient Egyptian dialect. Second one, Spader. Yeah, first one is Shanks, so... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are both correct. Yay! In different ways. All right. Next one. Being parasitic by nature. Like some kind of a parasite. Ah, uh, first one, Shanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. This is a symbol. This symbol represents... No. One of them says this is a symbol, and the other one says this symbol represents... Can you do it one more time? Uh-huh. This is a symbol. This symbol represents... I think the second one is Shanks. Melanie? Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the second one's Spader. Uh, Jess is right. Spader was the first one. Shanks was the second one. Yeah. You know, even when it's like sometimes a little easier to tell which is which, they still sound remarkably similar. Yeah, they do. It also was funny to me how even just, like I said, I really only was going through Children of the Gods, how many things I found that were similar that they said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is between the movie and basically one episode of the show and... They said a lot of the very similar things. So that is what we thought of this movie, which clearly was not a lot. That I mean, we thought a lot of things about the movie, but we didn't think very highly of the movie, I should say. And uh, now we're ready to jump into this show. So we'll be signing off for now. And we would love for you to join us again when we talk about Children of the Gods next week. Um, if you think that we are complete morons and that the Stargate movie is the best thing that's ever graced the silver screen, please feel free to yell at us and tell us how wrong we are at uh, chevronslocked7 at gmail.com. You can tweet us um, at chevronslocked7. 
Yeah. I mean, you're probably wrong if you think it's a great movie, but we're willing to listen to you. <laughs> I mean, fair point. Fair point. Did the words. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, please let us know what you think of the movie. Uh we will try and share some of the some of the things if we get if we get feedback. If you have thoughts or things you'd like us to focus on in the future down the road about Stargate, please feel free to let us know those things too. Feedback is always good. I mean, tell us if we suck, tell us if you like it. Don't tell us if we suck. I mean, We're going to get a flood of, like, you fucking bitches don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, no, we welcome all feedback. (laughs) But hopefully it's constructive. (laughs) Don't give us, no, I don't take any constructive criticism. We're perfect. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Melanie Martian, or you can find me on Tumblr at MyStupidDumbFlyBoy. And you can find me um, on Twitter at JustTheMess250 or on Tumblr at Professor Tenant. And you can find me on Twitter at Cahils or on Tumblr at Pianosa2 to the Fighting Eighth. Have fun I looking the, that one up. I love the, re- <laughs> the reluctance in your voice to give you a URL. It's a lot. <laughs> great it's people who are really dedicated to come find you they're gonna get you mm-hmm. <laughs> don't put me off tell the people who signing off this is chevron's locked hate podcast signing off yeah baby see you next week wormhole disengage All right. We did it. We recorded another episode. <laughs> we will... Good fucking luck editing this. <laughs> oh, crap. Hang on a sec. We didn't record any of this. I was just saying, don't you say. <laughs> no, we definitely recorded some, if not all of it. But for some reason, I can't find the recorder right now. Oh, it's recording. We're good. We didn't record anything, Jess. None of it. We recorded none of it. <laughs>